Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. This morning, I want to I want to get into the word, if we can do that. I want to look at a very familiar story, probably are aware of a man named Samson. I've really been studying his story for the past several weeks, and I came across some kind of interesting findings um, that I want to... I want to kind of share this morning that explain much of his behavior, his strength, his weaknesses. Um, and so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Judges. Uh, we're going to begin at, at 13. You know, if we were to write something about Samson's life, maybe on his gravestone, um, we, could, we could say, I think, something appropriate, though maybe a little insensitive, you know, because he's, he's dead. But it, it would be something like Samson, a man who lived with unfulfilled potential. Because that really sums up Samson's life. I mean, from birth, he's set apart uh, from, for, for God. He's dedicated to God. He takes on the Nazarite vow. And he's given this incredible strength that, that, that is empowered to him by the Holy Spirit. But he fails to use it properly. You know, I, I, think, I think if we were to get to the end of our lives and kind of look back at our decisions and say, man, I was smarter than that decision that I made. I was stronger than the effort that I put in. I was better than the things that, that I did in my life. That would be a pretty sad place to be, right? No one wants to do that. No one wants to live with regrets, knowing that you could have done more but, but didn't, chose not to. That's the place that Samson finds himself in at the very end of his life, full of regret, knowing that he could have given more, but he chose not to. And I've entitled today's message, Letting Go. Someone say that with me. Letting Go. You hear that phrase a lot, kind of like you hear, I, I let go of myself. You hear, you hear that a lot amongst married couples, especially married men, right? I think we all know we're familiar with that phrase, I let myself go, right? I've, I've let myself go many times in the six years that I've been married. Um, it's like, it's, and when you let yourself go, you get to a place where you don't, you don't really want to be at, but like you don't mind if you're there. Like if you're, you don't want to be 200 pounds, but like if you're 198, you're like, ah, it's two more pounds. It's worth it. I love pizza, right? And two, two, 200 pounds becomes 205. 205 becomes 215, 225, 235. That's where I was. Praise God. Not anymore. <laughs> At least right now. I don't know. We'll see what the next six years has. But, but that's what it is when you let yourself go. And you get to a certain point where you look back at your life and you're like, man, how, how did I get to this point? How did I let myself gain 35 pounds when I was married? And, and, and it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's a very slow pro- progress. Um, you let yourself go little by little until you completely let go. And just like with dieting or, or with, you know, with anything, sometimes, sometimes you take on a new job and you start on fire. You, you love it. You love your boss. You love the people that you work with. You love the paycheck, right? But then after a few months, you're like, ah, eh, it's the same paycheck. It's the same people that I got to go to and, and report uh, myself to. And, and we kind of lose interest. And so we let our work suffer. Or when you're at, in, in college and, and you're starting a new degree plan and, and you're all excited at first because you're learning these things that you're interested in. But then you lose interest. So you kind of let go of your grades. This process of letting go is, is also extremely prevalent in the Christian walk. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't happen overnight. First, you lose your, your kind of zeal, 
that, that passion that you had when you first came to Christ. Jesus talks about this to the, to the Ephesians when they lost their first love. Then you might let go of some of your devotional reading time that you, that you devoted every single night to, to God. Or maybe your prayer time. And then you let go of some of your Christian relationships that you made. And then you let go of the church. And then before you know it, you've let go of so many things that there's not even a God there that you're holding on to anymore. Be careful of what you let go of, church. That's the message this morning. Be careful of what you are letting go in your Christian walk and the things of God. Be careful what you're letting go of. Samson fulfilled exactly what the Lord said he was going to fulfill in his life. But, but what more could he have done had Samson just lived up to his full potential? I want to begin reading Judges 13, 2 through 5. You should already be at Judges 13, 2 through 5. It's up here. It says, There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the wound. And he shall begin, listen to this part, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Amen. Samson is the last judge that we hear about, the last one spoken of in, in Scripture. And this is a time where Israel is, is under extreme oppression from the Philistines. And they, have, they had been for so many years. You know, the Philistines, they were, they were strong. They were, you know, they were a fierce people, war-hungry people. And, and Samson, Samson was to be set apart to God to carry out a very specific mission. The word says in verse 5, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. He shall begin to save, meaning that he only got the process started. I think it's interesting how, you know, oftentimes we, we associate Samson as this very strong man, probably one, maybe the strongest that ever lived. That's, that's what we think about when we think about Samson. And and Samson, during his lifetime, he couldn't even defeat the Philistines while David, a scrawny shepherd boy who fought not for himself but for God, defeated the Philistines. It's crazy, right? Samson, the strongest guy, only got the process started. He couldn't finish it. See, David, what's the difference? David was operating in the fullness of the power of God while Samson wasn't living up to his full potential. And it doesn't matter how much muscle you have. Amen? It doesn't matter the, the, the kind of reputation that you have. When you let go of the things of God and you let go of God, you also let go of every blessing that God has given you. So he might have risen you up and gave you a great reputation and gave you wisdom and gave you knowledge and gave you strength. But you let go of God. And you can't hold on to those things anymore. Maybe you used to be a prayer warrior, man. People used to go to you when they needed prayer because they, they, they know that you got down to business. And you were always filled with the Holy Spirit. But maybe something happened in your life that, that brought a little bit of doubt in you. And, and, and maybe a, a little bit of the faith that you had in the power of prayer, it left you. So now you're, you're not praying with that same authority. Maybe you ha always had joy in your life. You know, some people that, man, they're just always so, they're always so happy. They're always so bubbly, right? You can't, you can't tell them anything and they're never going to be put down. 
But maybe something happened in your life where you became angry with God and you're upset at God and you kind of lost your grip a little bit on that joy and now it's completely gone. See, the more Samson let go of God, he also let go of his strength. You follow me this morning? Be careful of what you let go of. Samson was called to be a, a Nazarite. So anyone who took on the Nazarite vow, that meant three things that they had to uh, abstain from. Fermented drink, so no alcohol. Uh, they, could not, um, they could not go near any un, unclean bodies, so no, no dead bodies, no corpses. And he could not shave his head. That's the one that we're most familiar with. And I think, I think when we think about Samson's strength, we often associate his strength with, with his hair. Um, right. I mean, you probably grew up in if you if you grew up in Sunday school, Sunday school teacher said, hey, this is Samson. He was the strongest man that ever lived. And he had really long hair. Um, and, and so that's that's kind of what you you grow up thinking. OK, well, Samson's beautiful, long hair gave him his strength. But that's that's not it at all. Right. That's we're mistaken if we think that. And Samson himself was also mistakenly convinced that his strength came from his hair, because when Delilah asked him, where does your strength come from? After lying to her repeatedly, he finally tells her what he thinks is the truth. That we, we, we can see that in chapter uh, 16, verse 17. It says this, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Samson, he was, he was partly right. right. If you shaved his head, yes, his strength would be gone. But that wasn't the source of his strength. That wasn't the source of his strength. Anytime we read about Samson exercising his strength, there is a common factor in every occasion. You know what that is? If you read his story, there's an occasion where Samson, he's, he's walking with his family, and, and, and a lion approaches them. They're about to attack his family, and the scripture says, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he killed that lion. In the same chapter, Samson strikes down 30 Philistines. What, ha- what we read before that is, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. In the next chapter, chapter 15, Samson is in the presence of a thousand Philistines. He's, he's tied up. He's about to get God, man. They're about to take him out. And what, what happens? The spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. And the scripture says, and the ropes that were on him became as flax that have caught fire. And they melted off. And with the jawbone of a donkey... With the jawbone of a donkey. And he's creative. He wiped out a thousand Philistines. You think that a man could do that by his own strength? I don't care how strong you are. Unless you're like Thanos. (laughs) I still stay up. I stay up at night thinking about that movie, man. But, But where do we see in the scripture that... That his hair was the source of his strength. We don't find it. It was always the spirit of the Lord rushing upon Samson to, to give him strength. I don't even think that Samson, you know, was, was like built. You know, I don't think he had, I mean, maybe. That, that's kind of, that's how we see him. But he's not depicted like that in scripture. It's just a regular man. And when he was to operate his strength, the spirit of the Lord gave it to him. But Pastor Ryan, well, then why does it, why does Samson lose all his strength after he cut his hair? I'm glad you asked. I want to answer that question. But first, let's take a step back. So we said that the Nazarite vow consisted of three things, right? These three things, they don't, they don't carry any special power, 
right? They're, they're simply a sign that tells God, God, I am dedicated to you. This is what I'm going to do to prove to you that I am dedicated to you, that I am set apart. I set apart myself from the things of the world, as we do as Christians, to let you know, my God, that I belong to you. My, my body is, is, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to defile it. It belongs to you. Like when you come to church, you, give God, you say, God, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to dedicate this, this part of the week solely to you. Like when you fast, you say, God, I'm going to sacrifice my body so that you can become stronger in me. We dedicate certain things to God. But like I said earlier, you can let go of some things in your life here and there. But if you let go of too much, you end up losing the bigger picture. You end up losing the, the, the thing that, that, that's stronger than all of that. And that's exactly what happens to Samson. This is a man who is supposed to be consecrated. This is a man that's supposed to be set apart by God. But he's letting go of every part that sets him apart. So, all right. You still with me? All right. Stick with me. Stick with me. So first, first he defiles his body. If you remember that line that he kills, this is what happens a little bit, a little bit after that. Chapter 14, beginning with verse 8. Chapter 14, verse 8. It says, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them and they ate. But he did not tell them that they had scraped the honey from the carcass of a lion. He was ashamed of what he did. When you don't want to tell your mama because you're afraid of what mama's going to say. Samson, you know better. Samson, you're not the Nazarite vow says that you cannot go near any unclean bodies. And yet you didn't just go near it. You you ate from it like you got you went all up in there and got got your hands dirty. So that was the first thing Samson lets go of. And there was the next the next thing. Another part of the Nazarite vow is is that you can't drink fermented drink. So no alcohol. But right after this, this carcass incident, Samson, he, he throws what's called in Hebrew a mishteh, which is literally a drinking banquet. It's, where you, it's, it's a party and there's, there's alcohol, right? We're going to have a good time. Samson's out of control, man. He's, he's letting go of the things that God called him to. He's letting go of his purpose. He's letting go of his strength little by little. That's how it happens, church. We lose our desire for God little by little. Not from one day to the next. It happens with, with, with every troubling circumstance, with every situation that we go through. It's so easy to desire God less. The, the more that we're getting beat and beat and beat and we're taking hit after hit. Because one day everything is great and the next is not. And sometimes, sometimes we just get bored of the things of God, right? Can we be real for a second? You get bored of always volunteering at church. You get bored of, of the same Sunday morning routine. Sometimes we just get bored. And so we let certain things go, but we let them go without replacing them for other things of God. It's okay to change it up every now and then. It's all good. You know, eventually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away from, from the keyboard and, and wor- leading worship, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it more when I come up here to preach. I'm not just going to not, not replace it with something of God. And sometimes we get bored and we're like, nah, I'm, 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 I'm tired of that. And, and we don't replace it with anything godly. 
So we're letting go of the things of God. We let go of the pieces that make up our relationship with God until all we have left is one miserable little piece. And maybe, maybe that's where you're at. I don't, I don't, I don't know your spiritual state, but maybe that's, maybe you're just holding on to one thing. Maybe it's a single prayer at night. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's a Sunday morning church. Maybe for some, it might be you open up the Bible every now and then. I always think back to my 10 year old self being in Colorado. My family's away from the ways of the Lord. We've let go of the church. We've let go of Christian influence in our lives. We've let go of Bible study. We've let go of ministry. We've let go of pretty much everything godly. But there was one thing I was going to hold on to. It was that nightly prayer. And I remember what I would tell God every night. God, if you come back tonight, I want to be with you. I know I've let go of pretty much everything else. I know that we're not living a life for you. I know that. But, but just forgive me if you come back tonight. That's what I would tell God. And it wasn't much. You know, he wasn't active in my life. But that, that single prayer, it at least kept his presence around. It, it at least let me know that, man, that, that, that God, he still remembers me. God is still watching out for me. Even though I'm not really doing the things of God, I'm, I'm still holding on by a thread. Scripture makes it abundantly clear that it's only when you let go of God completely, that's when he lets go of you. How many times does God in Scripture give his own people, the Israelites, over to their own desires? You want to worship idols? That's what you want. You want to turn away from me? That's what you want. After warning, after warning, after I'm telling you I'm going to come through for you, after I'm telling you I'm going to defeat your enemies, you still want to let go of me completely? Fine. Go ahead. And then we read in Exodus how he hardens the Pharaoh's heart. So many people have an issue with that. God's such a big fat meanie. Why, why did he harden the Pharaoh's heart when he could have just unhardened it and let his, his own people go? It was, because, it was because Pharaoh did it before God actually hardened his heart. Pharaoh let go of everything, any hope that he was going to give himself over to God. He let it go. It wasn't God. And God is so merciful, man, that he lets us stick around even though we're so imperfect. Even when we've, we've let go of pretty much everything, he's still watching out for us, man. He's still interceding for us because he knows that, you know, sometimes we struggle. But the moment, church, listen, the moment you let go of God, God is going to let you, let you go as well. And that's harsh, but it's the reality. When you let go of God, God's not, God's not going to force himself upon you. God's going to let you go. And we can see the struggle in Samson's life where he doesn't want to give, he doesn't want to give up the only thing that he's got left that, that, that connects him to God. Delilah is there and she's, she's trying to get it out of him. Samson, man, poor guy trying to hold on to the, to the one thing that he's got that connects him to God. So he tells her a lie to kind of throw her off. Then he tells her another lie and then another lie, but she's persistent, right? Samson, don't you love me? That's what she says. You hate me. That's what Melissa used to tell me all the time. You hate me. And she's there like, don't you, don't you love me? Don't you want me? Don't you care about me? You're going you're gonna to ruin our relationship because of this one little thing. Got to watch out for them women, Daniel. They're not all like that, right? <laughs> and when you're down to the last thing, 
that, that's connecting you with God, man, it, it's so easy just to throw that, in, throw that away as well. You've got no other tools. You've got nothing else that, that, that's, that, that gives you that strength that, 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 that connects you to God. You only have one little thing. And they're going to come after it. And it's so easy just to let it go. Because there are, there are Delilahs, man, in your life. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Cain. We talked about how we got to watch out for the Cains in our life. We also got to watch out for Delilah, man. Because her goal is to seduce you into letting go of what God has called you to hold on to. Samson had the potential to do so much more than he did, but he gave it up. He let the last thing that was connecting him to God, the last thing that set him apart to God, he let it go. And he became powerless. There was no more spirit to rush upon Samson when the Philistines came over him. And they gouged out his eyes, and he tried to rip out uh, from, from, from the bondage of the ropes, but he had no power. Because he had let go of God. When you let go of God, God lets go of you. And I want you to think about the things this morning that you might have let go of that God meant for you to hold on to. I don't seek God as much as I used to. I don't forgive people as easily as I used to. I used to have a positive outlook on my life, and now it seems like every day is just dark, and it's dark. I used to be thankful for the blessings that I had, but now I take advantage of my blessings. What is it that you let go of in your life? What is it? Think about it. Because the only way that we can effectively persevere in our salvation is by holding on to Christ. But when we let go of the things of Christ, we endanger ourselves of letting him go as well. We've got a lot of Samsons in the church, man, who aren't operating in the fullness of the power that God meant for them to have because they're letting go of things. They're they're letting go of so many of the things that empowers them. I don't believe, church, listen, I don't believe that God desires a generation of Samsons. I believe that he desires a generation of Davids who who won't just start the job and then run out of power to complete it. But finish the job because they're always operating in the fullness of the power of God. That's what we need in our churches, man. We need people who don't let go of sound doctrine. We need people who don't let go of godly morals, of righteous behavior, of loving thy neighbor. I was so, I was so troubled and disturbed this week when I found out, you know, of what happened in Santa Fe. Texas, I'm sure most of you guys were. And we can, we can spend hours in a political debate, but what it really comes down to is, man, people aren't loving hard enough. People are not loving hard enough. And, and, and people, people say, well, you guys wanted to take God out of school, so there you have it. God is out of school. No, no, no. That is ridiculous, man. Oh, I'm going to get crazy right now. That is ridiculous because if you go to school and you have the light of God in you and you're in that school, then God isn't not in the school. God is there with you. God is not out of the school. You can't, you, a politician is not going to take my God out of school. The problem is those that God has called to love thy neighbor. We're not loving hard enough. There's no justification for what this kid did, but, but he was bullied. What if he hadn't been? What if the church rose up 
And what if we loved a little bit harder? What if we cared a little bit harder? What if we noticed? But we're letting go. We're letting go of little things here and there. When God has given us everything that we need in Scripture and by His Holy Spirit that can give us everything that we need to prosper wherever it is that we go. We can't let go of the things of God. Because when we do that, we let go of God. And if we let go of God, then God is truly no longer in our schools, in our workplaces, and sadly in our churches. God has called us to be more than what we've been. Jesus said to the church in Ephesians, I'm I'm almost done. He said to the church in Ephesus, he says, remember the things that you used to do before. You remember that? I don't have the scripture on hand, but I know it's in Revelation 3. Do the things that you used to do before you you lost your first love. And then he says, repent. Repent because I will come and I will remove the lampstand from you if you don't repent. Why? Why is he going to remove it? It's not because God is being mean. It's not because... God doesn't want us to have good things, but because if you let go of it, God is going to come and give it to someone else who's going to hold on to it. That's what we need, church. We need to remember the things that we used to do before and practice those things. God is calling us for more, man. I believe that, I believe, I believe in the power of God. I really do. I believe it is so powerful. I read about it in scripture and I see the incredible things that God did through the apostles and the prophets, even through people that didn't have a relationship with God. God used everyone. And I'm like, God, where is this power? It's here. We're just ignoring it. We've let it go. Don't let it go, church. Hold on to it. God wants to use you. God wants to use every single one of us. We all have a lampstand that we are carrying. Don't let it go. I, I'm not a pastor of all, all these churches, but I'm, I'm, I'm pastoring this church, and I want, to, I want this church to operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, man. I don't want us to be like Samson where we, where we just take advantage of things. I want to, take, I want to be like David where we, where we operate in the fullness of the power that he's given us and we complete the job, man. We strike down giants. You with me? Sorry, I got all flustered. Let's stand this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word. I thank you for your word, Father. Your word, my God, it teaches us, Father God. It makes us see our, our, our wrongs, my God, but it also points us to your grace and your mercy, Father God. And I pray that this morning, Father God, that we pick up the things that we might have been letting go of in our lives, my God, that you have meant for us to hold on to, Father. We don't want to be weaker, Father God. We want to be stronger, my God, because we want more of you, Lord. My prayer this morning is that your Holy Spirit fill every single one of us in this room this morning, Father God. 
As we live for you, Father God, I pray that everything that we do be for your honor and for your glory, Father God, that wherever we go, Father God, we are walking in power, Jesus. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.